What's up, everyone? I'm Joe Pompliano, and this is The Joe Pomp Show. Today, we'll be talking about Stephen Curry. He recently signed a new long-term partnership extension with Under Armour, his sneaker, apparel, and merchandise partner that he's been with since 2013. It has the opportunity to be a lifetime deal if certain performance-based revenue targets are reached. He's going to get about $75 million in equity in Under Armour, and it has the opportunity to be worth more than $500 million or more than he's currently made in his entire NBA career. So today we'll run through the details, including how we got to this place in time and what Stephen Curry has been able to do for Under Armour as a company. Let's get right to it. All right, so let's pretend we're in 2016 for a minute. Stephen Curry was on top of the world at this point in time. The Golden State Warriors were just starting their dynasty after winning the NBA title, and Curry was about to take home his first MVP trophy, following one of the most historic seasons in league history. Not a single NBA player that year was selling more jerseys to fans than Stephen Curry. Not Durant, Irving, or even LeBron. And only one person was selling more sneakers, Michael Jordan. If you look at the Jordan brand, they were doing about $2.8 billion in annual revenue that year, 2016. Stephen Curry was second with $160 million, right ahead of LeBron James who was doing $150 million. In fact, Stephen Curry was so popular in 2016 that a Morgan Stanley equity analyst named Jay Soule said Curry's partnership with the Under Armour brand could potentially be worth $14 billion. Now, this snapshot in time only tells about half the story behind Stephen Curry's shoe deal with Under Armour. The real story involves a rare misstep in negotiations by Nike, the birth of a generational athlete, and a lifetime deal that could potentially be worth $500 million to $1 billion. Now, the Stephen Curry story starts in 2009. The North Carolina native was just a three-star recruit in high school. He didn't actually even receive a single Division I scholarship offer. His father, Del Curry, went to Virginia Tech, and that school only offered him the opportunity to be a walk-on. Now, his dad was an NBA player. He had access to good coaching, and he was around NBA players all the time. But he was really, really, really small, and he didn't have great tape. So he ends up going to Davidson, and he exploded onto the scene, particularly in his senior year. Anyone who's old enough to remember their March Madness run, it was absolutely incredible that year. Davidson started the season four and six. Essentially, what happened was their coach booked a bunch of really, really, really good teams to start the season. They played North Carolina, NC State, Duke, UCLA, a few different top 10 teams. They lost a bunch of the games. Obviously, they started four and six. But then they didn't lose another game during the regular season for the rest of the year. They won 22 straight games. Curry led the way, obviously, on that team. He averaged 26 points. Then the Davidson Wildcats went on an insane run in the NCAA tournament, March Madness. Curry essentially led, if you look at the group of players that was on that team today, what they're doing, there's some basketball coaches, there's lawyers, there's doctors, and there's accountants. And he took that team to the Elite Eight. And there's a funny quote from one of his former teammates, and he was just talking about the popularity, and he makes a good point. It's Jason Richards. He says, in 2008, when you think about it, Facebook had just started. There was no Twitter, really. There was no Instagram, and there was no Snapchat. Social media wasn't a big thing. So the fact that Steph took the nation by storm, it was newspaper articles, people texting, people calling, and leaving voice messages, sending emails. That sounds ancient, but people started getting noticed because we were everywhere. We were on TV. We were in the paper, and I can only imagine what it would be like if we had social media back then. Anyone, like I said, that remembers this, they remember how insane it was. 
Davidson was all over the place. Curry was this like 165 pound, 170 pound soaking wet kid that was just draining shots from all over the court. They end up losing the Elite Eight, but the damage was done. Curry was then drafted seventh overall in the 2009 NBA draft by the Golden State Warriors. Yet many people still weren't sold on him as a player. There's this famous quote that always shows up on Old Taste Exposed by Doug Gottlieb, who was a former college basketball player and a college basketball analyst for Fox Sports. He said, and I quote, Curry doesn't have the upside. Ricky Rubio, Brandon Jennings, Johnny Floyd, Jeff Teague, they're all more athletic. So to be fair, no one could have predicted what happened next, but we need to serve as a quick reminder. Anyone that has heard me talk about NBA shoe deals before, you'll remember that there's three types of deals in the NBA. They're signature deals. These are the LeBron James, the Kevin Durant, the Damian Lillards, those guys. It's the best players in the NBA, and they typically get paid anywhere between $5 million to $15 million annually. Some of the top guys, maybe they're making $30, $40 million like LeBron, but typically $5 million to $15 million a year. There's only 22 players in the NBA with a signature shoe deal. So that's the top of the top best players in the league. Second tier would be cash deals. These are for players that are good, but are not good enough to re-signature status. Think Bradley Beal, DeMar DeRozan, that quality of player. All-star, but not good enough for a signature shoe. Those deals typically pay between $200,000 a year to $3 million a year. And about 20% of the NBA currently has a cash shoe deal. So this is brands paying them to wear their stuff in cash, sometimes a few hundred thousand dollars to a low millions. About 20% of the NBA has that. So 1% of the NBA has the signature shoe deals, actually less than 1%, and 20% has cash deals. The rest of the NBA, so the overwhelming majority of the NBA, has what we'll call merchandise deals. So the merchandise deals are essentially a big gift card. You don't get any cash, but they give you gear to wear and free merchandise throughout the year. Some of them start around $25,000. Maybe someone gets $50,000 or $100,000, but you get access to merchandise and products that you can wear throughout the year. So three tiers, signature deals, cash deals, and merchandise deals. Now, this is important because when Stephen Curry got drafted by the Golden State Warriors, he signed a cash deal with Nike. The exact dollar figure isn't known, but it probably included a small annual payment, something like a million dollars or less a year, and free gear, free merchandise from Nike. So Curry played in Nike when he was at Davidson. He grew up wearing Nikes. One of his family members actually worked for Nike. So he had long connections with the brand. He signs with Nike, cash deal, pretty standard for a seventh overall pick. And then Curry's career got off to a pretty rocky start, we'll call it. He made more three-pointers than any rookie in NBA history that year, and he even recorded a career-high 42 points in the team's final game that season. But then injuries hit. Curry underwent multiple surgeries on his right ankle, and he played just 26 games during the lockout-shortened season in 2011-2012. But the Warriors were still impressed enough, and they decided to take a gamble, essentially, is what most people thought it was at the time. They signed Stephen Curry to a four-year, $44 million contract to stay in Golden State. Now, a lot of people had concerns over his injury. They said he was too small. He wasn't going to hold up in a physical game. He already had multiple ankle surgeries, and they thought it was a gamble. But Curry delivered. He started 78 games that next season, averaged a career-high 23 points per game, which was the seventh highest points per game total in the NBA, and he set a new single-season NBA three-point record. And with his Nike deal up for renewal that summer... Things were looking bright, right? Well, not so much. Curry headed in the 2013 offseason under contract with the Warriors, but his Nike contract was up for renewal, and all signs pointed to him staying with Nike. Ethan Strauss wrote this article for ESPN in 2016. I highly recommend you check it out if you haven't read it already. It's about 5,000 words, but I will do my best to summarize the most important parts here today. 
He writes, Curry was a Nike athlete long before 2013. His godfather, Greg Brink, works for Nike. He wore the shoes growing up, sported the swoosh at Davidson, in his breakout 54-point game at Madison Square Garden on February 28, 2013, he was wearing Nike Zoom Hyperfuse, a pair of sneakers he still owns, tucked away in his East Bay Area home, shielded from the light of day. Now, things don't always go as planned, though. Nike flew into San Francisco to meet with Curry and his family. And essentially, long story short, they unintentionally made their feelings clear. The meeting took place, Shross says, on the second floor of the Oakland Marriott, three levels below Golden State's practice facility. Famed Nike power broker and LeBron James advisor, Lynn Merritt, was not present. A possible indication of the priority, or lack thereof, that Nike was placing on the meeting. This episode is sponsored by Golden. Did you know that a Joe Montana jersey recently sold for over $1 million on Golden auctions? Golden is the leading and most trusted destination for some of the most significant pieces of sports and pop culture collectibles. And better yet, it's not just for high ticket items. Golden's marketplace is open 24-7, and weekly auctions featuring authenticated and graded collectibles, all just starting at $5. That means collectors of all kinds can enjoy the same quality, convenience, and seamless user experience that Golden is known for at any price point. And here's the best part. Golden is offering no marketplace fees for items sold up to $10,000. So vault and list your items on Golden's marketplace now to enjoy this limited time offer. I'm a big fan of the platform, and I think you will be too. Head over to golden.com to get started. That's golden, G-O-L-D-I-N.com. Before we get into some of the details of the meeting, rumor has it, and what Strauss talks about in this article, is that Stephen Curry was upset that he didn't get a camp. So the way this works is that Nike holds off-season camps for kids, and their biggest names get to hold the camp. So LeBron has a camp. Anthony Davis has a camp. All these good players have camps during the offseason, and it's it's around them. It's marketed as their camp. They go in there. They get to hang out with the kids. It's good publicity, all this stuff. Now, Stephen Curry wanted a camp. He grew up going to Chris Paul's camp in North Carolina, and it was one of the reasons why he claims he fell in love with basketball. Obviously, his dad played a role in that too, but he looked up to Chris Paul because of that. He got to hang out with him in the offseason, and he thought it was awesome. He wanted a camp. Nike decided not to give him a camp. So there was a little bit of animosity there, but I don't think that is the main reason. We'll get into the main reason because the presentation kicks off and this is coming from Del Curry, Stephen Curry's father. He says that a Nike official accidentally addressed Stephen as Stefan, so he pronounced his name wrong, and he didn't offer up an apology either. And then things got worse when they were going through the presentation and a PowerPoint slide had Kevin Durant's name on it. It was basically a repurposed PowerPoint that they had used for Kevin Durant's pitch months or years earlier. And it still had his name on the material, and they just forgot. Whoever put it together didn't notice. So essentially what happened was they felt neglected. Steph Curry's father says, I stopped paying attention after that. Nike has their certain tiers of athletes. They have Kobe, LeBron, and Durant, who were their three main guys. If he signed back with them, we're on that second tier. So Stephen Curry then shocked the world, and he left Nike. He signed a new deal with Under Armour that was worth about $4 million annually. Now, to be fair, Nike still had the opportunity to match that offer. They had the right of first refusal on any offer that he got. They refused to match it. Uh, they thought $4 million was too high at the time for a deal for Curry. Now, I think it's important to remember that Under Armour was essentially irrelevant at the time in the basketball world when they signed Curry. And that's why everyone was shocked. Sure, the company was doing nearly $2 billion in annual revenue at the time of the deal, but they owned just 0.35%, 0.35% share in the U.S. basketball retail market. 
and their biggest endorsers in the NBA were Brandon Jennings, Kemba Walker, Raymond Felton, and Grievous Vasquez. Again, Brandon Jennings, Kemba Walker, Raymond Felton, and Grievous Vasquez. Those were their biggest endorsers, and they own less than half of a percent of the U.S. basketball retail market. They were essentially non-existent when you look at the market. Nike was obviously the most dominant player. There was other people, though, involved. Under Armour, non-existent. But then the Golden State Warriors dynasty started, and everything changed. The Warriors hired Steve Kerr as their new head coach, heading into the 2014-2015 season. He brought along a fast-paced offense that gave the shooters like Stephen Curry and Klay Thompson the ultimate amount of freedom, and the Warriors dominated. Curry broke his own record that season for the most three-pointers in a season, and he sat out 17 fourth quarters throughout the season due to Golden State's wide margin of victory. They were literally beating teams so bad that 17 out of the 78 or 80 games that he played that season, he didn't even play in the fourth quarter. That's how bad they were beating teams. That year, they ended up winning their first championship in 40 years. Then the following year, the Warriors became the first team in NBA history to win 73 games in a single season. And Stephen Curry was unanimously named MVP of the NBA. This helped him become one of the world's most popular athletes virtually overnight. Curry had the NBA's most popular jersey that year. He was gaining more than 1 million Instagram followers every single month during the season. His signature shoe with Under Armour, the Curry One, did $153 million in sales over just three months. $153 million in sales over just three months for his first signature shoe. That is relatively unheard of. That's Michael Jordan numbers with Under Armour, a brand that had no market. They own nothing in the U.S. business. And the result, Under Armour's entire footwear business grew 350% year over year after that year for Stephen Curry. So Under Armour decided to double down. They said, let's make Stephen Curry the face of this business, the basketball division. They signed him to a nine-year, $215 million extension that included an equity stake in the company. So if we just rewind for a second, we look at the three deals that he got. He entered the NBA in 2009. He signed a cash deal with Nike for relatively a small amount. We'll call it low seven figures for a few years. Then in 2013, he signed a $4 million per year deal with Under Armour. So four years later, signed a four-year, $4 million per year deal with Under Armour and left Nike. Then in 2015, two years after that, he signed a nine-year, $215 million extension that included Under Armour equity. But the important thing to remember here is that where Michael Jordan was able to catapult Nike's business into a different stratosphere. Anyone who's seen the movie Air or knows anything about the story of Nike knows that Nike was basically irrelevant in the basketball business until they signed Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan obviously became one of the most influential and the best basketball players of all time. He did hundreds of millions of dollars of sales in the Nike shoes. He gets a royalty. He still does today. It's a $5 billion business for the brand, which is bigger than Under Armour is in totality. That, that catapulted them into a new stratosphere. Stephen Curry's popularity hasn't been able to do that for Under Armour. Now, it's not all his fault, right? Because the company is majority at fault for this, I would say. Under Armour has routinely, routinely mismanaged inventory. They've been through multiple CEOs and that inventory problem goes down to Curry's line too. They've ordered two to three times more than they should have been some years. And it has really hurt the sales figures because it's just overwhelmed the market. Under Armour is also currently facing a class action lawsuit from shareholders over allegations about inflated sales figures. The company also paid $9 million to the SEC for disclosure failures. And the culture at the business has come under fire for allowing employees to charge strip club visits to corporate cards. 
and they have fallen significantly behind their competitors. If you just look at the market cap of what they would probably consider their competitors, Nike, Adidas, Puma, and Under Armour, it's all night and day. Nike's a $190 billion business today. Adidas is second, $32 billion. Puma is third, $10 billion. And Under Armour's market cap today is $4 billion. That's less than they did in revenue last year. Obviously, that is not good. Furthermore, Under Armour stock has plummeted 44% over the past five years. It now sits 83% below its all-time high of $53 in 2015. And their equity has significantly underperformed competitors like Nike, Adidas, and Puma. For example, over the last four years, Under Armour, as I said, their stock is down 44%. Nike's up 83%. Adidas is down 30%. And Puma is up 30%. So they've drastically underperformed their competitors. And to be quite honest, there's multiple people that have reported on this, that Under Armour actually almost lost out on Stephen Curry in 2018. Reportedly, he was upset at how close Kevin Plank, the CEO and founder of Under Armour, had been with Donald Trump. They didn't like that the sales figures for the Curry 3s were low and that they had mismanaged the inventory. And Kevin Plank wasn't very happy with him either. They were mad that he wasn't wearing Under Armour gear to the games and he wasn't going all out. He wasn't pitching them. He wasn't talking about them in interviews and all this other stuff. So there was a little bit of bad blood there. Under Armour wanted to smooth things over. He's obviously a big part of their business. He was one of the main reasons why they were able to grow over a certain number of years from a revenue standpoint. He is the main reason why they were any what relevant in the basketball business for years. So what do they do? They hired an unnamed former Jordan brand executive to come and run the Curry brand at Under Armour. They launched the Curry brand, which is essentially the Jordan brand, but for Under Armour. So for those that don't know, the Jordan brand is a, a separate brand inside of Nike. So they have different products, shirts, shoes, clothing. They do golf. They do all this different stuff. And Michael Jordan gets a royalty cut on all of that stuff. So it's an extension of Nike, but it's in-house. The Curry brand is supposed to be the same thing. There's Jordan brand athletes, right? So there's like Jason Tatum and Zion Williamson. Those are Jordan brand athletes. Michael Jordan has signed them two deals for his brand. Curry brand is now going to be doing the same stuff. This happened a year or two ago. And they've been working on that. They've been trying to expand. They have a little bit of golf business. They're doing a little bit of leisure wear. They obviously still have the basketball business and they've been trying to grow that. So this new deal has been being negotiated for a year. And as I mentioned in the intro, they recently just announced it where it has the opportunity, they say, to be a lifetime deal, depending on if specific revenue targets are hit. Kevin Plank says that Stephen Curry will probably make more than his entire NBA salary combined, which is roughly $500 million today. So if you say over 500 million ends up being a lifetime deal, maybe it's more than that. Maybe it's closer to a billion like LeBron James is getting. They have the Curry brand, which they're going to expand. They're supposedly going to let him sign more athletes and build it more out like Jordan. And look, this is a smart move for Under Armour, I would argue, of course. Stephen Curry is 35 years old. He's still one of the most popular and one of the best players in the NBA. They just won a championship. The guy still has one of the top selling. I think he was number two this year, jerseys in the NBA. He has over 50 million followers on Instagram, he has 5 million followers on TikTok, and he has 17 million followers on Twitter. He has a net favorability rating among NBA fans of 67, making him the most liked player in the NBA, according to Morning Console. Now, this is interesting to me because Under Armour is not in the best spot either. I just mentioned all those different reasons. They've been dropping partnerships with schools like UCLA. They've been under fire for a few different reasons. The stock is obviously down tremendously. So why is Steph Curry doing this? Now, it's not explicitly clear, but what's he going to do? He's not going to go back to Nike. He's not going to go to Adidas. He's not going to go to Puma. He's going to ride it out with Under Armour. 
they're giving him the best chance of building a legitimately big business, something similar to Jordan. And I still think that he has the opportunity to do that, right? Where Nike is focused on athletes that are big, strong, and physical, like Tiger Woods, like LeBron James, like Serena Williams, the all-American people that are the best at their sport. Under Armour was able to come in and take someone like Stephen Curry, who's smaller, who shoots the ball, who changes the game, right? Where people can now say Curry when they shoot a ball in a trash can. That is the type of athlete that they focused on. It's an underdog story, someone that didn't have any offers out of high school, someone that was a three-star recruit, someone that went to Davidson, someone that was seventh overall in the draft, someone that got hurt and constantly doubted and became one of the best players of all time. That's who Under Armour signed, and that's who they're trying to build their business on. I think it's a very smart move for them to continue to do. Now, my one caveat to all of this would be that the analysts that talked about Stephen Curry and his ability to attract a $14 billion increase in valuation to the Under Armour brand through his trajectory as a basketball player. The craziest part about that is that most of that actually came true. He's one of the best basketball players of all time. Now, the guy was mentioning uh, Jay Soul. He was, he was comparing him to Michael Jordan. He's not Michael Jordan, right? No one's Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan is in his own realm as a player, right? He's almost like this godlike figure now where people compare him and they don't even know how he played or what he did or any of this stuff, right? And pop culture has contributed to that to some degree. But he is one of the best basketball players of all time. And it speaks volumes that Under Armour has not been able to capitalize on that. Nike made one of the biggest mistakes ever, probably in sports history with not signing him. Now, look, it, it, it is what it is. I, I don't think they're hurting. They're still the biggest business in the world when it comes to this stuff. They're $190 billion market cap business. It's, you know, 20 times Puma. It's 50 times Under Armour, whatever the number is. It doesn't matter. They're fine. But Under Armour should have been able to capitalize on that. They, they've made huge, huge, huge mistakes. Now they're going to double down, try to give him this lifetime extension. They negotiated it for a year, according to some of the sources that ESPN was quoting. And he ended up with $75 million, $8.8 million in restricted stock units of Under Armour Common stock, worth about $75 million. That stock vests in two separate categories. In 2029, he gets part of it, and then he gets the rest of it in 2034. So invest over those two periods. And a lot of this is based on revenue earnouts, right? So if Under Armour does what they're expecting it to do, and if what Steph Curry continues to do on the court, the sales will be there. I mean, he was doing $150 million of sales at the peak. There's no reason why he can't do a considerable amount of sales. All of his shoes, he has 10 signature shoes with Under Armour. And if you look at the 22 signature shoe lines in the NBA today, Stephen Curry's is, is basically always within the top five. Year in and year out, he's one of the top five highest selling signature shoe lines in the NBA. Obviously, the biggest are, you know, Michael Jordan is still there today if you want to consider him in the NBA. LeBron James, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving was huge with Nike too. Stephen Curry's up there. He's one of the most impactful players in the league, and he has one of the biggest businesses of any player outside of the league. And I think one of the biggest things to look at here that obviously had a, a toll on this too is Kevin Durant going to Nike. I've talked about this before. Ethan has talked about this. I think he even mentions it in the ESPN article too, is the idea that the sneaker companies control a lot more than people think. And what I mean by that is simple. One of the examples that Ethan always talks about is Kevin Durant going to Golden State. And he claims that Nike was really, really, really pushing for him to go to Golden State. And the reason they wanted him to go to Golden State was to steal some of the shine from Curry and specifically Under Armour. Because if you have someone that's there by themselves, they go to win three, four, five championships. Steph Curry becomes this godlike figure that can compete with Michael Jordan. How valuable is that to Under Armour? It's extremely valuable. So if you can get one of your athletes to go there, who, mind you, 
you have a greater relationship within their team, right? Kevin Durant makes more money from Nike than he's made from any of his other teams. He's more loyal to them. It's the only group that he's been with his entire NBA career, right? He hasn't been with the same team. He's changed teams several times. He's been with Nike the whole time, right? So they get him to go there, whether that was their mind or, or, or whatever it was. But he goes there. He steals some of the shine. The light gets a little bit dimmer on Steph Curry. He's still obviously one of the greatest players of all time. He won another championship, which I think did a lot for him and Under Armour as a brand. But we'll see what happens. This is a uh, a big deal. Honestly, I don't know if there was another way that it could have happened. My guess is that there wasn't really something else for him to do. Other brands obviously would have signed him. Of course, I'm not saying that. My point is to accomplish what he wants to accomplish, to build this global lifestyle brand that encompasses basketball, golf, athleisure wear, workout gear, whatever it is. Under Armour is the best place for Stephen Curry to do that. He's obviously going to make hundreds of hundreds of millions of dollars doing it, potentially a billion dollars plus. And Under Armour is happy to pay that if they can make significant headwinds. We'll see what happens. But Under Armour has to step their game up. They have seriously lagged and seriously let Stephen Curry down when it comes to the ability to build their business over his influence. So we'll see what happens. It's something to keep an eye on. I will keep you guys updated as these numbers come in and as things change. As always, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you please will, share it with your friends, share it with your family, let people know if you are enjoying it. Rate the podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Make sure you are subscribed and I will talk to you guys later this week.